Up next, our latest Please Explain is all about paper. This is WMYC, WMYC.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. WNYC receives support from Signature Theater, presenting signature plays, an evening of three plays, Edward Albee's The Sandbox, Maria Irene Fornes's Drowning, and Adrienne Kennedy's Funny House of a Negro. Now through June 19th, more at SignatureTheater.org. The U.S. Open Tennis Championships 2016 U.S. Open tickets are available now. The final Grand Slam Tournament of the Year takes place in New York City, August 29th through September 11th. More information at USOpen.org. WNYC is a media partner of Northside Festival, exploring music, innovation, and content. Performances by Brian Wilson, Connor Oberst, and Casey Musgraves. Speakers from PayPal, Thinks, and more. Now through Sunday. Tickets at northsidefestival.com. All the radios in my house are turned either to AM or FM WNYC. WNYC listener legacy circle member Marsha Kaplan-Mann. WNYC, it is the radio station of New York City. We have to keep it going. It is our radio station. Include WNYC in your estate plan. Call 646-829-4587 or email legacygiving at wnyc.org. Nowadays, new technologies have largely replaced paper, e-readers, the online encyclopedia, and so on. And you might not realize it, but the story of paper is about new technologies. For the past 2,000 years, it's been the essential object fueling education, art, commerce, historical record-keeping, the dissemination of ideas. And by looking at the history of paper, you can learn a lot about the evolution of human societies. We are talking paper on today's Please Explain. And here to help us are Mark Kalansky, the New York Times bestselling author of Paper, Paging Through History. It's published by Norton. Also joined by Donna Koretsky, co-founder and owner of Carriage House Paper in Brooklyn. She'll help us understand how paper is made. I'm very pleased to welcome both of them to our show today. Hello. Hello. Hi, Leonard. And uh, to our audience, if you have a question about paper, you can give us a call at 212-433-9692. You can also write to us on our show page at wmyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Mark, sometimes a page in the back of a book is reserved to discuss the typeface and choice of paper stock. I imagine... The particulars of printing this book were chosen very carefully. Yeah, they were, and um, I'm happy to say it's particularly uh, beautiful paper. <laughs> and then you had to uh, choose the right font. Yeah, and I actually did uh, woodcuts of the initial caps for each chapter, just like uh, Gutenberg. <laughs> now, Donna, what got you into paper making? I know a, a lot of art schools have... Uh, a little course where you learn to make some paper. And when I did it, I felt like I'd really accomplished something. And then I moved on back to what I usually did, which was painting. Well, uh, I started making paper in the late 70s. I was actually still in high school. And I had always wondered how paper was made. And in those days, paper making wasn't offered in schools. And I was living at home with my mother, who turned out also wondered how paper was made. And she actually took the next step and went to the library and got a book out about 
hand paper making. And what did and you make that, the first pieces of paper with? Well, we, we thought at first we'd be making paper from wood pulp because that's what we thought paper was made from, but learned that paper was, is traditionally made from other plant fibers. So we started experimenting with plants from our garden, iris, begonia, and went on from there. And then uh, now we have a huge studio, carriage house paper, and we make paper from cotton fiber, flax. What kind of paper comes out of an iris? <laughs> well, we would joke it looks like um, kind of like dollhouse rugs, <laughs> very, very fibrous. But one could write on it. And that was that was the early paper that we made. Paper, all paper is made from cellulose fibers, and cellulose is a very common thing in plants. So there's many plants you can. Uh, so actually, uh, any plant can be made from paper because every plant has cellulose. But certain plants have higher contents of cellulose. Certain plants, it's easier to extract the um, cellulose from the non-cellulose parts. So, for example, cotton is a very common fiber used for hand paper making because it has a very high cellulose content. And does it make uh, the kind of fiber, uh, paper that we would want, low acid, no acid? Yes, yes. Mark, in previous books, you've told the history of the world through uh, two other very common foods, salt and cod. Why have you turned your attention to paper? Well, um, first of all, it's a great story, which is always what I look for, but it... it when you look at the history of paper, you learn a lot about the relationship of technology to society. I mean, actually, I learned a lot in writing this book. I mean, what I learned is that it's a mistake. Uh, I call it the technological fallacy to think that a technology changes society, that actually society changes for all kinds of reasons and calls up technology to facilitate those changes. So if there's a need, we come up with a solution. Right, right. And you really see this with paper. You know, the Chinese, because of particular things about their society, really needed better writing material. And other people adopted this idea through the centuries at different points when they needed it. Don't materials like papyrus and parchment predate paper? Well, um... Are they considered paper? Yes, they paper? absolutely do. No, they're pre-paper. Mm -hmm. And did they not work as well? It was very expensive to make parchment. Well, par parchment, uh, yeah, it's, you know, hundreds of animals <laughs> to make a book. And then so papyrus, practical. papyrus only grows in certain areas. Yeah, basically, the Egyptians had a monopoly, and, and they really charged a lot. for. Actually, parchment was developed as an alternative to papyrus because the Egyptians were charging so much for papyrus. Do we know how the early Chinese papermakers figured out what to do? Well, not exactly. We don't even know. You know, this, is, this guy Kai Lun, who's famous in China as the inventor of paper, and then, you know, these uh, archaeologists, went to China, and they discovered pieces of paper that were one in 200 years before Kai Lin's lifetime. So we, we really don't know who invented paper or exactly what Kai Lin did that made him so famous. Is the technique similar to felting? Yes, it is. It, it is. And in Europe, um, paper began at felting mills. Weren't the Chinese writing on silk before they invented paper? Yes, and then bamboo and... Uh, before. Well, silk, the um, sericulture was invented about 5,000 years ago, and about hundreds of years before paper was invented, 
silk was used for writing upon. Well, silk is cellulose. Would no, you, silk no? is not silk. So is you would use it fiber. to make paper. Well, some I've never been successful, but people have been successful. Really? In, in I mean, historically they have, but it's it's hard no, to know. No, it's not. They haven't historically. I have never seen any paper made from silk. There's there's paper, kind of like a paper residue made from silk worms, that I think is how paper making began. How the Chinese started making paper from plant fibers because sericulture was in existence for so long. And when the silkworms make the silk cocoon, there's always like a little bit of leftover silk refuse. And I think people realize that could be a material that could be used as perhaps to write on. And so... Have you tried doing something like that? I have, actually. <laughs> I've raised silkworms <laughs> and kind of trained them or maybe tortured them to make <laughs> paper. So you've uh, studied paper-making techniques throughout Asia and Europe. Do techniques or methods uh, vary a lot from place to place? Yes. Yes, very much different fibers depending on where the paper is made. Different fibers will be used because that's what's grown in, in these parts of the world. Uh, in, in Asia, bamboos is a, a fiber that's often used because there's so much bamboo and mulberry fiber. Well, how would I start making paper? Well, what ingredients would I have? What else would I need? Uh, it's cellulose and water. So you could... And a screen. <laughs> right. Something as simple as a window screen. Um, paper is, is made from cellulose. Any kind of plant fiber can be used. And to simplistically say it, you could take a plant, put it in the blender, and add water, run a uh, screen through, and the fibers, the plant fibers, which should be just cellulose, but in this case, if you don't dissolve out the cellulose, it will contain other things, but it, it forms a mat on top of the screen, and the water goes through the holes in the screen, and that's essentially a piece of paper. So you're taking, making a pulp, and then you're putting it through a screen, and then you, if you lay the screen down flat enough, you get a flat piece of paper? Well, it's, there's more to that. You put it on, You make it on a screen, and then you flip the screen upside down onto another surface. It's a very diluted solution. It's like 2%. It looks like clear water. Right. Mm -hmm. Why is it that cellulose fibers interlock on their own? <laughs> Go ahead. There's a bonding process <laughs> called hydrogen bonding. And, and, then, so, and you need water. So it's the bonding of, of the water and the cellulose fibers that but the, the, make it hold the, together. The extraordinary thing is that through the centuries in different places, people have made paper with lots of different products and they, different sizings and different types of screens and stuff. But the ba basic technique of making a sheet of paper hasn't changed. And even the paper-making machine, which is now huge and computer-run, is basically on the same model, you know, pouring this water solution through a screen. The screen is now a huge conveyor belt, shaking it. It's basically the, right, the same right. thing that the ancient Chinese did. Right. And then you just have to let it dry. Yeah, well, there are all <laughs> kinds of drying processes. The Japanese um, or the Asians normally will brush their wet paper onto a board, so that's called board drying. Uh, in Europe, it's often loft dried. And uh, I guess I would say contemporary paper makers like myself, we have a, a system called restrained drying. So we'll dry our paper under pressure with air blowing through. So the paper will dry completely flat. 
My guests are Donna Koretsky, co-founder and owner of Carriage House Paper in Brooklyn, and Mark Kolansky, whose latest book is Paper, Paging Through History. It's published by W.W. W. Norton. They're my guests on today's Please Explain segment. Visit WMIC, WMIC.org, and we invite our listeners to join in the conversation. Our number here is 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Uh, is this something that's occurred to people throughout history? Uh, I've, it's alleged that Mesoamericans may have also come up with a form yes, of papermaking. It's, it's, it's not clear that they did, that the Spanish... Uh, talked about it, even described them making paper, and then burned all their books. Uh, the few books that are left are not paper. The codexes. Yeah. yeah the, the few things that are left are what they call tapa, which is more like papyrus. It's a beaten bark. Um, but there's a lot of evidence they may have. If they did make paper, they're the only ones to have invented it on their own besides the Chinese. Everybody else got the idea from the Chinese or from people who got the idea from the Chinese. But I think there is evidence that it's that what they made is more like the tapa cloth, beaten bark, or amate, where it's strips of the bark that are crisscrossed and then pounded. Well, yeah. I mean, that's all that's left. I mean, we, yeah. we have no yeah. Aztec paper. But do we follow the history of paper from China across Eurasia? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as How long did it take to get to the Atlantic Ocean? To the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> well, from China all the way across. Well, the Arabs, the, you know, the Arabs embraced it in the Middle Ages, and they had an empire that went to the Atlantic Ocean, you know, from Central Asia to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, didn't get to Europe to, for more than a 1,000 years after the Chinese started doing it. And I gather the Arabs uh, did it because they were involved with mathematics and they needed... Things, well, a lot of things, Ma- mathematics and science and, and uh, producing lots of books, even cookbooks. Uh, they were a very literate society, and books were very important, and writing was very important. You write that Europeans had no use for paper until more than a 1,000 years after it had been invented in China. What changed things there? Uh, they started adopting Arab ideas like accounting and mathematics, and uh, uh, more and more people started reading. I mean, in the Middle Ages, uh, monks were about the only ones who read. Um, even uh, nobility, Charlemagne couldn't read. Uh, they would have these incredible books, which they valued as art objects, but uh, you know, it wasn't a reading society. It was an oral society. When it- Donna, if I wanted to make paper at home, would it be pretty easy? Yes. Yes, it would be easy. <laughs> would I? Uh, would my paper be okay? Would it be a, could I make a high-quality paper? I don't think so. To make high-quality paper, one really needs some basic equipment, such as a Hollander beater, which is a machine that beats the fiber to a pulp. That's how you get the term beating something to a pulp from paper so, making. Just to give you an amateur perspective on this, I mean, I know everything about making paper, but I can't make good paper. It's really hard. <laughs> it's, it's, By the way, we we have just learned that our phone lines were down, so we have another number to give out. Uh, it's 646-829-3985 if you want to join the, the conversation. 646-829-3985. Eighty-five. Uh, so I would uh, actually have to wind up getting serious about making paper to make decent paper. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Anybody can make a piece of paper, but to make high-quality paper, you 
need a bit amount of experience and the right equipment and knowledge and about then, the fibers. And then there's the whole matter of thickness and also making artists all want their papers to be acid-free so that they won't discolor. Right, right. Well, well, why we, are there acids in many papers? Well, a lot of the original paper made from wood pulp, the process of breaking down the wood was an acidic process. And people didn't realize that for many, many years. And that's why books, a lot of older books have made from wood pulp have turned yellow. But, but now technology has changed. And paper mills can make decent wood pulp paper that, that won't yellow. But something like newsprint is a cheap paper. So they, it's not meant to last. So that turns yellow. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about paper, which is pretty much, you know, it's it's taken over. It's actually not one of the better things to make paper from. It's just one of the more available things to make paper on a large scale. Once you started having machines and the demand and the production capability for a lot of paper, they needed, uh, you know, in the West, paper was largely made from rags. And they went crazy getting enough rags. And uh, actually, because they liked the cotton. A cotton and linen. Mm-hmm. Um, the actually my the the company that made uh, the paper for my book, Latfelder, uh, started in 1863. It took over a Pennsylvania company that was in a going out of business sale. They were going out of business because after the nearby battle of Gettysburg, they went onto the battlefield and stripped the dead of their uniforms and bandages to make paper. That's how desperate people were for rags. And I, I had two guests on earlier, veterans, who told me that many Iraq War veterans are uh, grinding up their uniforms and then using it to make paper at the, in correct. which they can write uh-huh. things. I've heard this. Right. Things that they're upset about, uh, their experiences. We have to take a little break, and we will come back to listener calls and also find out how paper mills began. I understand Japan? That's – is that true? Paper – you mean machine mills? Yes. Uh, Well, the first machine was invented in France, but first put into service in Britain. My guests are Mark Kalansky, whose latest book is Paper, Paging Through History – it is published by Norton, and Donna Koretsky, co-founder and owner of the Carriage House Paper in Brooklyn. The number, again, 646-829-3985. And we are back with Mark Kolansky, whose latest book is Paper, Paging Through History, published by W.W. W. Norton. And Donna Koretsky, who's co-founder and owner of Carriage House Paper in Brooklyn. She actually makes this stuff. And we are inviting your calls at uh, 646-829-3985. Let's go to uh, a caller. Here is Prathma. Hi, Prathma from New Jersey. Did I get your name right? Prathma. Go ahead. Uh, hi. So I, my question was uh, for Ms. Donna. I have a five-year-old who was listening to a bit of your fascinating show, and she was like, can we make paper, Mama? So I wanted to see if, um, you know, she has conducted workshops for little kids um, to teach them about paper making, the history. Uh, well, we do offer workshops not so much geared to little kids, but my suggestion um, is that there are books on hand paper making, 
Uh, I'm a paper maker, yes. <laughs> but one thing that you could do easily is you could recycle paper. Uh, okay. You could get construction paper and wet it and put it in the blender and make your own pulp with the addition of water and put it in a tub and put a screen through and make paper. But my suggestion is first take a look at a book, but you could certainly do it with your five-year-old at home. Okay, perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. When did people start recycling paper? Do we know? Well, uh, I mean, it, it makes sense. You could just repulp it. Well, I mean, historically, there are cases of it in, in Asia many centuries ago, but on a, as an ongoing serious thing uh, in the 20th century. You have to bleach it to get rid of all of the, the ink that's on the paper. Correct. Yeah, yeah and it, it actually is kind of problematic. It reduces to a kind of very toxic sludge you have to get rid of, and it uses a lot of energy. And, you know, so that while the product itself is a good environmental product because it saves something from ending up in landfills, the process of making it isn't environmental at all. So when we recycle my New York Times and the other papers and all the junk mail and all of that, I'm actually not doing a perfectly wonderful thing for, for the world? Uh, it's a big controversy. <laughs> you may be. It depends on your, on your point oh. of view. Yeah, I, I thought I mean, that it really was upset helpful. Me. Well, it is helpful in that the paper doesn't end up in a landfill, so that's a good <laughs> thing. Julia from Brooklyn. Hi, you're on the air. Yes, hello. Thank you. Um, I'm a watercolor painter, and uh, watercolor artists are use a special paper that has a, a high absorbency and toughness. Uh, I know I wet mine, I soak it, and then staple it down and let it dry tight so it doesn't buckle when I paint. And I, I wondered if you could talk about um, what makes that paper able to do those things, and what's the role of the, I think it's sizing that's that's on it. Right. Sizing is is added to pulp to make it less absorbent. So depending on what type of watercolor you do, some people want no sizing, some people want a little bit of sizing. And as as a papermaker myself, I can make any kind of paper with some people want it smooth, some people want it with tooth. Yes. Okay. Now Dan from Manhattan wants to uh, know... Uh, how different cardboard and paperboard and paper are. Um, are they all pretty much made by the same process? Well, in the, in the, in the broad sense, they are, yeah, but uh, uh, considerably uh, different process, really. But, but we're using the same but basic it's, ingredients? It's, it's pulp, yeah. It's not the high quality pulp, obviously, and then right. as far and, 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 and actually, that's one of the things that uh, recycling works very well for is that kind of product. Another listener, boy, these uh, listeners have some very interesting questions. A listener on Twitter wants to know how watermarks are made. Oh, oh that's a very interesting yeah. question. Where, when one holds paper up to the light, one often sees a watermark, and that's because the paper in that area is minutely thinner than the rest of the paper. So on the screen, there's a raised, wa- traditionally, it's made from wire. It's, it's raised ever so slightly so that it's a tiny bit thinner. But it's invisible unless you hold it up to light. Correct. It was actually one of the first European inventions of paper in Fabriana, Italy, where 
another one of the first European inventions was using wire for um, for the screens, and they were the first to do uh, watermarks. Mark from Brooklyn, you're on the air. A lot of calls from Brooklyn. How do you do? Um, and thank you for taking my call. So, uh, I don't know, maybe a video would be worth a thousand words, but perhaps you can explain to me why it's so much easier to rip paper in one direction than any other, especially perpendicularly. And once you have a pulp and it's it's homogenous, I don't see why, you know, I don't mean it has to do with it, the, the bonding they refer to, but um, maybe you can explain it to me. <laughs> well, machine-made paper, there is a definite grain because of the process of making the sheet. There's a continuous... Uh, like felt with the paper on it. So it all goes in one direction. But when paper is made by hand, one dips the screen into the vat of pulp, and then when you lift it up, you shake the screen gently in all directions. So handmade paper tends not to have a grain at all. You could fold it in any direction. Machine-made paper does have a grain. Thank you for your call. Laurie from New Jersey. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, thank you. I recently came across paper that is made from crushed stone and can't figure out how how that works. Crushed film? Stone. Crushed stone. I've recently oh, come, I've, yeah. I've recently come yeah. across this also. Same with me. And, you know, the definition of paper is randomly woven fibers. And I'm not sure if that's what this is. I, I think it's not actually made from stone. It's made from mineral fibers. But I don't really know a lot about it. Yeah, I just know that paper that paper is very heavy. <laughs> I'd imagine. <laughs> but it, it it confuses that whole thing of scissor rock paper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you have rock in the paper. I said all we'd need now is paper made out of scissors and we'd be fine. <laughs> uh Emily from Ossining. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Actually I'm at the recycling center right now and somewhere else in Westchester. But my question is um, I'm sort of a fanatical recycler and reuser, and I'm wondering if there's a way of incorporating dryer lint into paper, and also if there's a way of crushing up um, fibers from rags and stuff that um, that a, a ordinary mortal could do without real. Spe- I mean, I have a food processor and I have a blender. Right. Well, tra- you know, traditionally um, rags were pulped, but with a stamper. So you could uh, soak the the rags for a really long time, like months, to so they will start to sort of disintegrate a bit, and then pound it for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Days, actually. Yeah, that too. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> and as yeah. far as lint goes, lint is such a short fiber. It's just, you know, not... I was hoping she okay. wasn't going to ask about belly button lint. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling us. James from the Bronx. Hi. By the way, our number here is 646-829-3985. Not the usual number, but we have uh, switch over to this number for the time being, 646-829-3985. Go, James. Well, you answered part of my question. You said paper. Definition of paper is woven fibers. Uh, the Chinese made silk with the jacquard loom. Did they make paper with the same instrument? No. No, paper isn't, it's not woven fiber, really. It's. No, the word you missed there was randomly woven. It's. 
randomly woven. Yeah, in other words, it's not woven on a loom. It's just uh, it just spreads out wherever it lands or on in, the screen. Interlocking inter- fibers. Right. Yeah, Beethoven used that same it's, system to write the first digital piece of music, Wellington's Victory. Okay. <laughs> and I think that became the model for the computer that they used at Ellis Island in 1900s. You're not aware of any of this. Well, computers, of course, are, are replacing paper. Uh, is this a concern to paper makers, Donna? Not at all, <laughs> especially for hand paper making. And it seems like there's there's yep. not, because of the use of computers, is a resurgence of the amazing qualities that one can now, achieve what, with handmade what, paper. What Donna does is never going to be replaced by a, <laughs> by a computer. There, people um, assume that new technology always replaces uh, old technology, and most of the time it doesn't. It's just an alternative. It's like ebooks. Ebooks aren't replacing books. Some people get ebooks, some people get hard books, some people get some of one and some of the other. It's an alternative, but it's not uh it's not going to eliminate books. What's the role of origami in the story of paper? Well, it's Japanese. Uh the Japanese would have come to paper late because they came to written language late. Well, that's right. I mean, they came when Chinese culture uh was in Japan. Uh, actually, when it went to Korea, then Koreans adopted papermaking, and then Korean monks brought both the culture and the papermaking to uh, Japan. O- only, you know, a couple centuries later. But know, the, in, in, in Asian terms, that's a minute, you know. The, the mm. art of, of origami, paper folding, I'm not sure when that started, but I, I don't think it's... Super duper ancient. No, it it, it isn't. I believe it's, it's uh, early twentieth century. And the thing everybody always forgets about origami is there's no paper fo- table folding. You're supposed to completely fold it in the air, mm. and it's become extremely sophisticated. There are people who do right. incredible origami now. And Great. now that there are a lot of origami artists that only use handmade paper, and they'll and I've had to make paper for some of them, and we make. Uh, two-sided paper, so it's one color, one different color on each side, and they make their folds and make these amazing. So no, the the original paper mills in Europe w- used water power, didn't they? Yes. When yes. did steam power replace water power? Well, in the Industrial Revolution. Um, I mean, the f- the first uh, machine paper m- making machine invented by a, guy, a French guy named Robert. Um, used the two founding ideas of the Industrial Revolution, steam power and a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we started mass-producing pi- paper? Correct. I mean, mass pro- you know, the, mass pro- the machines got bigger and more powerful, and the production got ever more mass. <laughs> a listener, Nathan, asked how he can make a watermark in a handmade paper. Do you ever do that? Yes. Um, we... One can use wire, and with even thinner wire, uh, attach the wire to whatever screen one is using, whether it's a window screen or if they have a paper-making screen. There's also modern materials that we use, and there's something, um, we call it magnetic sheeting. <laughs> and it's it's the same, you know, with thin magnets that you put on the refrigerator, You it's that um, black, thin stuff, and you can cut that out in different shapes and attach it to the screen and make your own watermarks. And people who make currency have computer-generated watermarks. 
It's right. been really a lot of fun talking about the about paper on today's Please Explain. My guests have been Mark Kolansky, whose latest book is Paper, Paging Through History. It's from Norton, and Donna Koretsky, co-founder and owner of Carriage House Paper in Brooklyn. 